Every week, Jim, you know, we come back to continuing conversations. I think it can't get better, but today we have the ultimate panel. I have to say there's a lot of excitement going on in the Star Trek Adventures universe right now because of the book that dropped, Utopia Planitia. You teased it a couple months ago, and today, everybody, we're not just talking about Utopia Planitia, but we have the entire batch of writers who worked on it here to get into the nitty gritty of it and also to talk about some of the social rumbling we've been hearing, some really cool stuff. So I'm yeah. Michael Dismuke. Um, I'm with the Star Trek. Uh, I'm Michael Dismuke. I'm with Continuing Missions, which is the number one blog for Star Trek Adventures RPG. And with us, we have Jim Johnson. Introduce yourself. Hey, everybody. Jim Johnson. I am the project manager and line editor for Star Trek Adventures RPG, published by Modiphius Entertainment, and uh, your co-host for this year's show. And tonight, I want to say thank you, Michael. You're going to be taking a, a, a guest spot tonight, not so much the, the, the co-host, but tonight uh, I am uh, pleased and honored to be uh, joined on the, in the hosting booth, as it were, by uh, Modifius's own very special April Hill. Please introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. Uh, yes, my name is April Hill. Um, you can find me at stiletto underscore assassin on Instagram and stiletto DM on Twitter. And as Jim said, I am the community manager for Modifius. So if you are chatting on socials and stuff, um, it's usually me behind uh, me behind the, the, the screen uh, doing all the funny uh, gifts and and clapbacks and whatnot. Um, so I, lo I love when you guys tag us. Yeah, yes. Um, but I love when you guys uh, uh, share posts on our social media um, and sharing your go lives and um, your reviews of the, our games and stuff like that. So continue to do that because I love seeing it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so again, thank you, April, very much for being here. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to join us. Uh, you're always welcome anytime, of course. I know your schedule's busy, so just uh, whenever you can make it happen, we'd love to have you. Um, so before we jump into questions for the for the group, I want to give everybody a chance to uh, introduce yourself, say a little bit about what you do and what you did for the Utopia Planitia book. And uh, just looking at my screen, I'm just going to start over here and go clockwise around. So let's start with uh, Aaron. No, I'm Aaron Pallier. Um, I'm generally the science guy and starship guy. So for this, I did a lot of the, well, I did most of the starships, nine, like 90% of them, let's say. Um, and uh, a lot of, uh, talk about the weapons and technology stuff that that went in and i did a little bit of stuff here and there elsewhere across the book lots of little things lots of little things yeah aaron you are our go-to for all kinds of little things because you always seem to be so available and and so fast with the stuff you do <laughs> like you, you you are like probably like michael you're really responsive but I think Aaron's probably even more responsive than any of us. <laughs> almost even more responsive than me, because I know all of you. Were, I know all of you go to him directly for stuff, right? Saying, answering questions and stuff. So thank you, Aaron, for all your, all your uh, Johnny on the spottedness. <laughs> I, I, he's part citation too. I'm sure he's part citation because he works in sonar also. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm always happy to help. Yeah, awesome. All right, and then uh, clockwise going on from you, uh, John. Introduce yourself. Hey, I'm uh, John Kennedy. Um, I've worked with Modifius for way long time now, and uh, 
I guess we get to claim titles because that seems like a really cool thing to do. I like to do history stuff. So I got to work on Starfleet's origins chapter for this book. And Star Trek's been pretty close to me since I was a little kid. And now I don't really know where I'm going with this. But uh, it's just been great working with everyone. Awesome. Cool. Thank you, John. And then next we've got uh, Thomas. Tell us all about yourself, sir. Yeah, I'm Thomas Maroney. I'm the Associate Art Director for Star Trek Online. So I actually designed um, several of the ships that appeared in Star Trek Picard and then were included in the book. And um, I was invited to come and write the lore uh, and help with the pitch, the stats, I guess, uh, which were refined by by Aaron and, and the gang for those ships. So um, so the Odyssey class Pathfinder, um, all the STO specific ships, which was great to get them into official stats into, uh, for Star Trek Adventures. And I was also um, honored to write the forward to the book as well. Yep. Can we have a fanboy pause, fangirl, <laughs> fan them, fan, fan everything pause for a moment? Because this is like a big bridge to be built between video gaming, TV show, and Star Trek Adventures. So I just want to soak in that moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just a personal thank you to Thomas, because like I, I know we were slowly starting to build that bridge over the, a bunch of books, like even all the way back with the Alpha Quadrant book and the Gamma Quadrant book, we were dropping in, you know, uh, STO starships along with like giveaway codes and that kind of stuff and we were just kind of like building the foundation and then I think the the discovery book really opened it up because you were mm -hmm. so generous with some of the artwork that you provided and and even at the last minute like you, you became kind of like the Aaron for STO because you were so responsive finding stuff because I, I I would just ask you in passing oh you know we're working on this thing and I wish I had a dot seven uh you know graphic to drop in here and he's like oh I've got one of those and yeah sent it over and I'm like oh okay <laughs> we'll use that Absolutely, yeah. we use everything we can get. So uh, we've just taken that to the next level with the with the Starships book. And uh, I mean, I can't tell you folks how many times I got emails from Thomas saying, oh, I've got this, oh, I've got this, or, oh, please don't use this. I have an updated render for this. So it was just a constant stream of fantastic emails that in, in the back of my project manager mind, I knew was gonna elevate this book to a level that we had never seen before in Star Trek Adventures. So I am so, so excited to have you on the team. So uh, I won't, say it often enough Thomas but thank you for being part of this I'm really really grateful uh, that you're part of the team so thank you very much yeah uh, it was, finally, I'm sorry no, no it was just it was it was an honor to be involved for sure yeah absolutely thank you so much uh, and then Al tell, tell us about yourself sir how's it going Al Spader freelance writer for um, Star Trek Adventures uh, was super excited about uh, this particular project um, I really like uh, looking at narrative possibilities um, and I really like streamlining information. So odds are, if there's a table in this uh, book, I probably had something to do with putting it together um, and had a lot of fun doing so. Yeah, very cool. All right, so April, we have uh, we have a, a distinguished panelist, a group of panelists in front of us for the Starship, uh, the Utopia Planitia Star, uh, Starfleet source book, it's a mouthful. And uh, where, where should we start? Should we uh, ask general questions? Should we kind of open up to the panel? Do you want to ask specific questions to the group? Uh, anything in particular inspire you? Um, I, excuse me, oh my gosh, I'm still getting over being sick. Um, yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, you know, it's really up to you guys. We've got a lot of questions that um, have rolled through on social that, I mean, some of these have been answered, but of course I always love getting, you know, um, Get them getting them straight from the source so i mean really it's it's up to you if you want to if we wanted to you know start going through the book or um if you want me to ask fire us questions really um okay why, why don't we start off with just kind of some general conversation and then we'll get into the questions in like the second half or something 
Uh, I don't know how long we want to go. I don't think we, I mean, we want to be respectful of everybody's time, every, obviously, but uh, why don't we spend maybe 15, 20 minutes talking just about the book individually, and then we can get into the questions. Does that sound, sound reasonable? Mm -hmm. All right, cool. So uh, Michael and I are going to host a series of episodes after this one going into a chapter by chapter detail about, about the book. So we're gonna really blow it out chapter by chapter. So I don't think I wanna really dig too much into the individual chapters. And I don't even think we need to go in order necessarily, right? To say, you know, oh, hey, you're talking about this chapter, talk about that chapter. Especially so, since it's out, but it's not out yet. So yeah. We give everything away until people get it in their hands. Yeah, so I, I know that there's a lot of folks who are waiting for the PDF, which is totally fine. You know, that's, that's your choice. Um, we, you know, Modiphius historically, or at least in the last couple of years, uh, waits to sell the PDF by itself until after the physical edition ship. That's as a, uh, the PDF is a given as a thank you for pre-order customers. So that's just kind of where we are right now. So not the, the full, you know, co collective of uh, Star Trek fans don't have access to the book yet, but maybe this will inspire you to go check it out, think about it, and, or at least uh, save up your Latinum for when the PDF is available, then you can, you know, pick it up at that point. So, um, yeah, you know, I think just uh, let's start, I'll, I'll go counterclockwise this, way, this time just for the sake of uh, doing something a little bit different here. So, uh, so Michael, uh, how about your initial reactions, thoughts about uh, when I approached you and said, okay, we're going to do a Starship book now. What was your uh, like initial reaction and initial read on that? What, what got you hungry for working on it? Yeah, I was super happy on it. I remember there was a lot of things that we couldn't get into the Game Master's Guide and the Player's Guide. Those, those are really fun books um, that I had a chance to work on. And this port, and one of the portions that had got cut, I, it just didn't make sense to add it word count, was the part I did about resource collection, salvage, and retrieval. Um, and already online, people are already asking questions about it and those kind of mechanics. So I was really happy to be able to include that. Um, I was happy to include mission briefs about starships, more stories. I'm, I'm more of the storyteller, whereas Aaron's the shipbuilder, and Thomas are the shipbuilder, and Al's the, you know, he can construct, uh, I don't want to say flow charts, tables for everything, and John's the historian. I really love the storytelling. So one of the biggest things I wanted to accomplish with this was what's it like to live aboard the ship? I'm actually more excited when I watch Star Trek sometimes. Like, what are they doing in the background and why are they pushing that button? And where's that person in the hallway going? So I kind of wanted to really work on that atmosphere so that when people are playing Star Trek adventures, they really think about that downtime and get into the feel of being, you know, life in a, in a spaceship. So when this came out, I was just, uh, when you asked me to work on this, I was like, yes, I can own those parts. Um, and really dig into what life on a starship is like, because I plan to be there one day. I really <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and just uh, anecdotally, having, having read a lot of the social media on the book so far, um, I think the, the, the sections you wrote on uh, salvage and retrieval and the elements, like searching for the elements, all that kind of stuff, I think that was stuff that a lot of fans weren't expecting to see in this particular book, because like we didn't really advertise it and it's not really clear uh, we, we, I didn't, I intentionally didn't put it on the back cover, right, to, to lay out exactly what it's going to be. I wanted to have a few surprises for folks. And I think that stuff's really well received because like you were saying, it really adds a lot of texture and detail to the, to the universe and to Starfleet that we don't really see that much on the show. But if you kind of think it through, you know, it's, it's there. So I'm really glad that you wrote those sections. And uh, I'll be, I'll, you know, 100% transparent. I am glad that we had the page count to keep them in because that that in the back of my head when I was working with the graphic designer, uh, that was the first section I thought would probably get the chop if we were over page count, uh, just because it just didn't, it wasn't like purely Starship stuff. It was like 
tangential to Starship stuff, but it was all relevant. But I'm, I'm glad we were able to keep it in for sure. So uh, they, you know, when, when I write, I always think, Jim, every paragraph has to be its own encounter seed. And so yeah. everything <laughs> I was writing, there was like, can we actually play it? And funny enough, Alan and Aaron playing my Star Trek Adventures game with me. And we actually, they didn't know it. I think they now realize that we tested it out. Remember when you <laughs> remember when you crash landed on that planet looking for Rubindium? So, yeah. so, hmm. so that was it. And then it was funny. I was telling anecdotally this to Aaron is, as I was writing it, I'm always thinking about what quotes I can put into whatever section. Mm-hmm. And Voyager was on in the background and Janeway said, there's coffee in that nebula. And I was like, oh, that's perfect. So it all worked out. I'm glad that that quote and the chapter stayed. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Thank you, Michael, appreciate it. All right, so uh, Al, same question for you. Um, although I also wanna add a nuance to that uh, where um, I know that, I don't remember if I specifically encouraged you to do this or if it was just the section that you picked that you wanted to write but um we we really wanted to make sure that we talked about the starship as a character and you really took that section and embraced it and 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 really blew it out into a lot of detail so i'd love to hear your initial thoughts on like just your reactions to getting to work on the book in general i just into in terms of working on the starship book but also a, a little bit more about about that particular section about what what that meant to you to write that section about how important the ship is to a to a to a to a series but also to a an ongoing uh, rpg campaign yeah i i got super excited when i heard that we were, there was going to be um a partnership here with uh star trek online for sure um because i know that there was a large portion of the community that was interested in that um so i started doing a lot of research there and then we had this discussion about um the ship as a character and it really shifted my mind to think of this book as kind of like a player's guide for the character that everyone is playing, which is the ship. Um, you know, we see so many um, different Star Trek shows out there, and almost all of them are named after the ship. It is a main character on the cast. Um, so, uh, you know, when we did the player's guide, we talked a bit about session zeros and whatnot, and we didn't get super detailed about the part where you determine what your ship is and who your ship is and things like that. Um, so, you know, drawing up that section, um, I wanted to come up with as many different ways, uh, or strategies or tools for people to use to make that ship feel like it is an actual character. Um, it doesn't necessarily need to actually, you know, speak to you or talk to you or anything like that. Um, but there are things that, uh, could happen on a starship, um, that gives it a little bit of character and um i go to the idiosyncrasies chart uh table i've heard a lot of people really <laughs> excited about um, that silliness um and i bounced a lot of ideas off of aaron for that uh and uh you know because if a ship has been uh, you know out in space for 20 years uh you know or even if it's just coming off the line there's going to be little strange things about it uh, little quirkiness uh things about it um and uh, i think that will uh, really help telling stories in the future. Um, and, you know, I, I was really thinking about, okay, well, for downtime, what do we do on the ship when we're not being the heroes? Um, you know, and we got to see a lot more of this, uh, you know, uh, during the newer Star Trek episodes, but also in the past, we saw people playing games, you know, in the lounges and things like that. Um, so I wanted to kind of put that all together. Um, and uh, so I threw a bit in there about that. We talked about the gym and different things. Uh, like, you know, if we have an angry character and they're trying to work out a problem, 
going to the gym is one way to do that, right? If you have characters who are butting heads on your ship, uh, instead of saying, no, 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 don't do that, find a way to structure it in a way um, that is beneficial to the story. And you can use the gym in a sparring match or something like that to do that. Mm. Um, and we've seen that on science fiction uh, throughout history. Um, so uh, yeah, that's kind of what I was going for. Um, you know, trying to uh, go through the thought process of what makes your ship different, what makes it unique, um, and how is that ship a character? Could you could you um, build a ship like Mor Moira from? Uh, oh my gosh, uh, Farscape. You know, like Farscape, yeah. Could you could you build potentially a sentient <laughs> ship like? Like that? Is that something? Yeah. That you I, in fact, one of the last steps that we talk about um, in in that little section is is your ship sentient? And here are a uh, certain number of ways that or storylines that could, uh, you know, we're kind of seeing this a little bit in uh, Discovery already, um, but there are many other ways that a ship could become sentient. Um, so I put a bunch of story seeds in there and ideas on how that could happen. Um, you know, it's not necessarily for everyone, but we wanted those ideas in there for the people that wanted to embrace them. Or like Mass no. Effect, maybe. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, oh, I like that. It's like that, <laughs> that you can pull from different fandoms and like yeah. bring them into this game and be like, yes, I get mm -hmm. to have all my things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's one of our biggest things too. We, uh, we talk, myself and Jim talk about and we talked with other people about is it's a sci-fi game it's in the Star Trek package, but if you like something, you know, again, when people ask like, why don't you wear a Star Trek shirt? Here's my Dolly Parton <laughs> shirt on, right? Because it's a game for everyone. And you're, it's still an RPG where you get to create your own universe. So I love that you asked that April because it's like, yeah, if that's what you like about sci-fi, bring it into the game and Ut uh, Utopia Planitia has that aspect in it, man. I want the Reavers and I want the Borg to fight. <laughs> Make it happen. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm just, I'm just kidding. That was, that was awesome. way out there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Al. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, so, Thomas, um, mm -hmm. I, I know that we had been talking quite a bit, um, you know, prior to the Discovery book and then throughout the Discovery book and then right into uh, right into Utopia Planitia. Um, I wanted to get, I, I know collectively we, we wanted to get several Star, Star Trek online ships in there. We wanted to get some of your great art, just some of your other assets, just the other information and stuff that I knew you had available that, uh, we wanted to work together on. So just uh, your thoughts about, you know, having finally an opportunity to actually, you know, de deliver some, uh, some significant uh, material to the book. Um, and then, uh, you know, maybe a, a little bit about the, about the forward you had to write too. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, the, I guess we'll start with the forward because when we talk about chips as character, that's something that I feel really strongly about and certainly our players feel really strongly about, right. When they're, when they're making their, their crew in Star Trek online, you're not playing Kirk or Picard, you're playing your own Star Trek captain, just like Star Trek adventures. And so the games are really have a lot in common that way. Um, and the, the ship picking out your ship is a very important part of that. And then, you know, a lot of people, they always have like their main ship. They might, it's a, it's a collector's game. So you can get a bunch of different starships, but usually people have, this is the ship that I fly and always come back to. Um, and, uh, and so there's a, there's a real connection there, just like Kirk. I mean, it's funny, you know, you, you watch the original series and you, you see how Kirk talks about the enterprise and even in the naked now, um, he he talks about her like you know 
she's his betrothed almost like he's drunk with the with the virus and there's that saying in vino veritas right and so so kirk is just so distressed about the responsibility and obligation he has to the enterprise um and um but it, it's very much like a, a almost a lover's relationship and and they in in the forward i i sort of um talk about that a little bit and then uh use the recently remastered uh star trek the motion picture uh sequence where the the shuttle pod is flying around the refit enterprise and there's an amazing scene where uh you know the shuttle pod flips around and kirk sees the enterprise from the front for the first time and um i didn't realize this when i wrote the forward but um they actually the uh there's a shot where you see kirk's face and the enterprise is reflected in the glass and i think they added that for the either director's cut or the new 4k remaster it wasn't the original theatrical cut but like adding that reflection in the enterprise and seeing you know william shatner definitely plays it like he's seeing his long lost love you know he's it's very it's a very complex like uh, I think emotion that he's able to convey, um, and that just it just speaks volumes about the relationship he has with that ship, and the relationship that, you know, I think a lot of people have with their ships and their favorite ships in Star Trek. So that's special to me, and that's one of the reasons. Before I was associate art director on Stowe, I was the lead ship artist, and that's something that I really wanted to bring to the game was that amount of passion, um, uh, and in terms of bringing these ships to life, because everybody that's a really important part of Stowe. That's a really important part of Star Trek to me, for sure. Um, and so, you know, when we talk about uh, the ships in Star Trek Online, I'm really proud of all the work that we've done. We've designed, um, uh, I don't know exactly the number, I mean, there are hundreds of ships in the game, um, but we've designed probably almost 100, maybe over 100 now of like original Starship designs that you can only find in the game that were unique to the game. And I've been a part of that process. And so um, I, I always want to see other people who beyond the Star Trek Online players like ex get exposed to those designs because I'm really proud of them and I feel like they carry the lineage from the 24th century beyond to the 25th century where STO takes place and um, thankfully in season two of Star Trek Picard we got the opportunity to work with uh, Paramount to actually bring um, Star Trek Online original ships into canon uh, as they appeared in Star Trek Picard season two um, and that was, you know, that was a triumphant moment for the history of the game, but that also made it really easy when we were picking which ships should we include in this book. It's like, well, obviously we're going to pick the ones that, you know, that, that showed up in Picard. Um, and so getting to, you know, write the lore for those and suggest the stats and everything um, was a lot of fun. And some of it uh, I had written for like, we had done the Eagle Moss collection of STO ships. And so I had been, I had been thinking a lot about the lore of these ships. I, I like doing that as well. So it was just fun. It's just fun. <laughs> it's just fun making ships. You got to ask. Okay, so all of a sudden you got to give give us the feeling. Let, let us live vicariously through you. Yeah, yeah. So all of a sudden you find out that the ships that are designed for STO, mm -hmm. you're being asked by Paramount that you're going to find out that they're going to be on screen. Please mm -hmm. just let us live vicariously through you. Well, you know, what's really funny about that process is it started out with um, the production designer in Picard, Dave Blass. He just sort of DM'd me on Twitter. I'd actually posted something about the Eagles, Eagle Moss work I had done, and he just DM'd me on Twitter and like slowly revealed to me that he was working on Picard season two. And he's like, hey, you know, I think you're, the ship that you guys makes are, made are great. Let's talk about, you know, what we can do to work together. And that process was like two years of like from that initial conversation to actually seeing them in the episode and it was kind of excruciating because 
with budgets and the, the amount of changes these shows go through from the original script to like at one point there was going to be this massive battle between the Starfleet ships and the Borg, um, you know, Doomsday Machine or whatever it's called. Um, and they cut that, right? That didn't end up in the episode. So I, I, for like a year, I didn't even want to admit that it was going to happen because I didn't want to be like the, the profound disappointment that I would have had to deal with, right? If I had like just, you know, got super excited about it. So um, I didn't actually tell most of the Star Trek online team didn't even know until about a week out of the episode airing what yeah yeah because i was just i was just like i didn't if it if they pulled it at the last minute or you know like the budget cuts or whatever with effect shots you never know so well if i ever um, have a secret to tell and and i don't want i don't trust anyone I'm doing it to you. <laughs> <laughs> so it was but it was incredible we actually got it was a really special moment because we got uh the team together it was one of the first times the sdo team had been together since the pandemic it was a premiere of picard episode uh, season two episode one um and we you know got the company warehouse and all watched together and then people cheered when the ships came on the screen and everything and that was super cool but you thank know you it, for that story thank yeah, you yeah. That's exactly um, i love that's, that's great and i, yeah. I think i, I want to harken back just to something you said a little earlier about how passionate you are about starships and it's clear to me i mean i, I knew kind of peripherally that you had a very passionate fan base for for stowe um, but i didn't really appreciate it until really the last couple of weeks where um, you know we were getting ready to pre-order the book, and then the, the pre-order came out, and you all were so gracious to announce it on your blog as well. You know, you, you gave us that boost, and and I really got to be exposed to the a, a whole another aspect of the Star Trek fandom, who were super passionate about starships and super passionate about the game. And I think this is such an exciting opportunity for us to cross cross streams a little bit yeah. to get some STO fans familiar with the Star Trek Adventures and to get Star Trek Adventures folks more familiar with Star Trek Online. Although I know a lot of Star Trek Adventures players have been hungry for a long time to get some sort of STO presence in the game to, to a greater level than just, you know, dropping in artwork. So I'm just, I'm super excited about this. And uh, um, I mean, I, I can't thank you enough. I mean, I'll, I'll go on about this all day if I have a chance to tell you how grateful I am for all the art that you were able to deliver and all the insights and all the connections that you have. You're just such a wealth of information. And uh, I am, I'm super happy to have you on the team. So I uh, thank you for just being part of this. Well, thank you and, so much. Uh, That's very nice of you to say. Appreciate to get that. Into it, so. Um, like I can feel your passion and like I'm pretty sure you can feel ours and yeah. it's just a, just a great collaboration and uh, you know anecdotally uh, you probably know already Thomas but I've I've been talking to you know some of the folks at Paramount like our review team and our um, our marketing uh, teams at Paramount and they are always super excited when they hear licensees working with other licensees mm-hmm. where they don't have to ask us to do it they, it just happens <laughs> they're yeah, like yeah. oh you're you're already working with them that's great you know we, yeah, want, yeah. we want more cross pollination and stuff so yeah uh, this is this is great and i hope it continues and uh, you know i'm sure we've got some more cool stuff in the future that we can talk about at some point um but uh but yeah cool all right great let's uh let's jump over to uh, to john then so john you've been uh, a long time right i think you've been with medicus longer than i have i think you were working on stuff before i got on board in 2016 uh, so you've been yeah. with this for a long long time and um, I know you've worked on a lot of different Star Trek books. I've just been able to find places for you in different pieces here and there. And it just worked out like schedule-wise, schedule-wise that you were available to work on the Starships book. So just uh, what, what were your uh, you know, initial reactions to, to working on it, getting, getting to do a, a big section of it, of the history? Uh, what, what were your thoughts there? Well, I think the first thing I want to say about the book is that while I know that for me, like I, I love reading about starships, but you know, for me, you know, I wasn't really sure like, we, like 
wanted a Star Trek book or a Starship book, but I have all the people in my gaming group being like, man, I, I play STO and then they'll name some class and, or, and they just want it in their game. So this book, when you mentioned it to me, it's more like, nah, nah, I'll get the people in my gaming group to be quiet for a minute. So, <laughs> but uh, I worked on Starfleet's Origins and basically approached it from kind of like a history lecture. Mm-hmm. Um, which uh, hopefully I didn't make it too dry, but at the same time, we're covering three centuries and a whole bunch of really interesting parts of the show. But um, yeah, it, this was a lot of fun to write, like being able to read about Tellarites and Andorians and um, the original coalition of planets. And mm-hmm. I was always kind of a fan of Enterprise. I mean, Enterprise had its low points, but I feel like it was getting really, really good. So for me, just being able to go from, from Enterprise to, uh, you know, to just just in the 25th century you know it, it was all great hit the wrong button sorry about that <laughs> uh, and I, I wanted to uh, tell you I, I really appreciate your willingness to um to shift midstream kind of because I know that as we were working on the manuscript um once I realized I once I kind of wrapped my head around the how much content we had to work with um we had originally intended this I guess this is an easter egg for the fans we had intended the Starfleet book to actually go out into the 32nd century as well and so John had written a fairly large section of content for chapter one that was all about the 32nd century. Mm. And just going through the, the manuscript, I realized, okay, we need to, we need to re, rejigger this a little bit and, uh, and, and save that content maybe for a future discovery, you know, 32nd century book once season five comes out and we get, we get even more material to work with. But so uh, any thoughts on like when I had to tell you, and I felt so bad about it because it was such good content that we're going to just have to sit on for a while. Uh, but when, when, when we had to like trim a chunk of that chapter out and then rewrite that last bit to just focus on the, the 24th and 25th centuries, uh, any, any reactions there? Like, I, I, I'm always appreciative of you, how, how, we, how readily you're able to, uh, to shift and, and pivot and, um, and just, and still deliver. Right. So uh, any thoughts on that? Uh, honestly, it was kind of those things where I'm like, no, not my beloved 32nd century chapter. But it was also kind of one of those things, too, where it's like, that's a lot of time. That's 20s, late 21st, 22nd centuries, all the way up to present timeline. That was a lot. Um, but also means, hey, you've heard it's really good material, folks. So wherever <laughs> it is in the future, you might like that book. Yeah, cool. Uh, that didn't bother me at all. I've been doing this for a long time. So yeah. sometimes... I mean, you didn't tell me the whole draft was junk, so that would have been very <laughs> sad. But. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, everybody froze on me for a second there. I, I didn't catch your last little bit there, John. I apologize. Oh, did, you, uh, <laughs> did you guys get it, or was it everybody? Yeah, we got it. We got it. Oh, we got it. All right, that well, was a nice little zinger <laughs> at the end. <laughs> All right, you know what? Let's keep it there. I'll watch it in the video once once it's once it's there. <laughs> That's great. He cursed you out, Jim. He cursed you out. Yeah, so. That's all right. That's all right. Everybody should, if you haven't already, <laughs> probably do it in private, and that's okay. Uh, it's, it's your it's your thing. So then we come to uh, Aaron. So uh, just to set the context a little bit here. So when I first got into the game, way back. Oh, you're muted. Yeah, you're having um, audio on on that. We still can't hear you. Oh, no. Uh, oh, no. Can you hear me now? Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Okay. Sorry. Uh, anyway, so back in 20, just a little context. In 2016, when I got into the game, I was starting to work on the core book just as a writer. 
But in the back of my mind, I was looking at the material and I, and I saw the direction that uh, Nathan Dowdell had gone with it as, as a you know, developer. And I was like, oh, wow, this is a really this is a really cool game with a lot of potential. I hope it gets some legs and sticks around for a while because I really want to work on a Starships book, like a dedicated <laughs> Starships book for this. And uh, for a while, I wasn't sure it was going to happen. Like we, we added a lot of space frames to the command source book. And, and, and like I know, Aaron, you and I worked a lot on that book. That was really the first book that we worked on closely together. Um, and after coming out of that, I was like, yeah, I think we've done most of them. Like, of course we got a lot of fan responses saying, oh, you missed this one. You missed that one. You missed this one. It's like, well, of course we did. We didn't have, we didn't have the page count. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so in the back of my mind, you know, as I continued to work on books, um, you know, I thought we would eventually get to do a dedicated Starships book, you know, all things being equal. If we kept the license, if Paramount was happy, all that stuff. And then at some point I have to say it was like prior to the pandemic, Aaron, you sent me a lengthy like outline proposal for a, for a, a Starships like fleet book that had just yeah. a ton of great detail in the outline. And I looked at that and I was like, oh man, I hope we get to work out. I hope we get to do this book or, or some version of this book. And just, uh, we did the Klingon book, then we did Shackleton and then we did, uh, shoot, I don't even remember now, something else. Oh, the tricorder set and some other stuff. Mm -hmm. But, but finally, um, you know, by that point I got to be project manager for the, for the line. And I was like, okay, we're totally doing this book. And, uh, and then I went, I came to you and I said, you know, Aaron, you know, I think this is, if, if there's any book in the line, that's your book, right? This is it. And so I would just love to hear, you know, like I was telling the other folks, like, what were your initial reactions to finally getting the green light to do this thing and, uh, and getting to work on it? Like, I know, like, I, I mean, I did the, I did the count. You, you wrote more than half of this book all by your, all by your lonesome, right? I mean, we, yeah. I know it was a team effort, but like the, the, the initial drafts came in coming out of your head was more than half of this book. So just uh, pontificated will, sir. <laughs> well, okay. Um, so yeah, it was my initial pitch was March and April of 2019 when I sent it in. And I actually had written uh, a chunk that was actually used almost word for word for the release today, at, right at the beginning. And I helped out with uh, uh, the section that John was doing with Starfleet's origins. So uh, that pitch from 2019, actually, some of it was verbatim used in this. And I knew that I wanted to really do a book like this. Obviously, I made this big pitch. And, I, and even after that, and you said, well, that's not in the books right now. We'll work towards that. I kept writing little chunks of like Starship ideas, or here's a little story that I can put in for a famous, you know, freedom class or a famous, you know, uh, what, well, whatever, a Sydney class. And I kept all those notes together in a little folder that just kept getting larger and larger and larger. Mm -hmm. And then you came to me and said, okay, we're going to do a Starships book. And I said, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I can do this. And I had, when you, when you gave me the, the broad outline of this is what we needed to do, I probably had about half the Starships already done. Um, and that's not including the ones that had already been published. So all I had to do was go back and tweak everything. And I was obviously excited, incredibly excited to do this. Uh, and I got all the starships done and then I wanted to help more because I was so passionate about this. So, uh, I kept putting more and more in or helping other people do whatever I, you know, whatever I could to, 
increase the importance of this book for for gamers uh, that that really want to be in the universe. Little details uh, like with with Al, the 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 starship is a character that is incredibly important to me too. Um, treat it, treat her like a person. Treat her treat her like a lover. They have souls. They have personalities. Even after coming out of the dry dock, they need to have a personality. And I try to infuse that personality into even all the little Starship write-ups. Not not even the notable Starships, but just the Starship write-ups to give them a little bit of a personality, a reason for why they're there. So I guess when I heard that this book was going to be made, I said, awesome. I want to make sure that everyone that reads this understands that Starships are there for a reason. Every starship is there for a reason, be it for story or or background or anything. And I want to make sure that everyone has a chance to kind of experience that that flavor. I I have a question as I was reading through these. You know, not only do you have the starship overview refit information, but then for each one, for I think for every single one, you have a, a notable starship. Yeah. Were those all of your own invention? Are those from Canon? Unless like, it's a mm-hmm. unless it's a Canon ship. Um, you know, obviously there's ones that you can clearly tell are are, are Canon ships. There's like, you know, Enterprise B or or whatever. Um, unless they're Canon, uh, they're mine. They're they're ones that I just kind of came up with. So or, or they might be Canon and I came up with most of the story for them because there might not be a lot known about it. Mm-hmm. Um beyond that, yeah. I can't wait in future. I'll say in future episodes, Aaron will have you on when we do this chapter because me and Jim will definitely talk about how people who are new to the game maybe can pick up one of these ships as the new captain with this backstory. If they're yeah. trying to create backstory, so that would be really fun. I think that's what's super cool about having those, you know, example exemplar hero versions of the ships is you can you you're just being writing tiny little mini adventure stories that people can like. Oh, I wonder what it would have been like to be there, right? And then they can go yeah. off and play that adventure, which is super cool. Or even putting in the little this is a naming convention for the ships, and then there's here's some ideas of what ships are named, and then you hear a name and it, it it'll it'll trigger something in your mind and go, right. oh, yeah. Leica. Like like Mike said, oh, you named a ship Leica. That's mentioned in there, and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Cry when I hear about that dog. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's in there for a reason. At least for <laughs> me, there I put that in there for a reason. But that, if you know history, that should trigger something in you and go, oh, I want to tell a story with that. Yeah, yeah. One one of the things I'm glad that we added to this, we we I think we unintentionally experimented with this with the in the Shackleton book where we had that little sidebar about the the runabouts. And we, we just threw in a reference to, uh, oh, you know, runabouts are usually named for this reason. And uh, and the, the registry numbers are usually in this range. And uh, like I threw it in there and I didn't really think much about it. But like the, the fan response was really good. They were saying, yes, this is the kind of like little detail we really want for our role playing games. And I was like, all right. And then I said, Aaron, let's try to include that for like all of the ships if we can in the Utopia book. Because they really actually we, we did it in Discovery to some extent where we had we had naming conventions and we also put in registry numbers. I mean, it, you know, canonically, who knows, right? Like, Paramount <laughs> doesn't have a list of registries in their in their database. I mean, actually, they might, but uh, they probably don't. Uh, I'd have to ask Mary, and she might have them. But uh, you know, they don't make, keep a meticulous list of all the registry numbers and ships that they've used because they don't care. They just make up new ones as they. I, I, they do care, but they, <laughs> they just make, the writers make up new ones as they need to, right? Uh, but I think it's such a great little detail. And I remember when I was, you know, growing up with the Fossa books and the. Last year, especially Fossa, because the, the the next generation officers manual, and if I remember right, the the ship, starship recognition manuals had long lists of ship names and registries 
It's like it was so easy to geek out over that stuff mm-hmm. and be like, oh, it's this ship with this registry, and I can make a you know sister ship with this registry or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and now we're able to do that with Star Trek Adventures to where you know a new group of players can just create their new ship and it'll still kind of feel like it fits into the class. You know, it's got the same kind of naming conventions, it's got the same range of registry numbers, and it'll feel authentic. And I think that's what a lot of gamers are looking for for their campaigns, mm-hmm. is just to make their their stuff feel like it fits into the universe, even if it's even if they're you know going off doing their own kind of thing. So uh, um, but, uh, Aaron, I, oh, go ahead, Aaron, April. Uh, but I mean, like what, what you said, coming up with your own thing and stuff like that, it kind of circles back to also what Thomas was saying about, um, you know, posting stuff that you make on social media that like, and, and other people see it and think it's really cool. I mean, social media has become this amazing thing. Um, that's why I'm like, yes, please share your stuff because not only we, we might see it, other people might see it and, you know, and you, you make friendships that way, you make connections that way, and you could possibly get hired for doing something that way. So, um, I, I love, I love that. And I mean, like Aaron was saying with, um, writing stuff down for years that, you know, he's got ideas in the back of his mind, do that. Like, if you have an Mm -hmm. idea, write it down because eventually like someday this opportunity might arise and then, Oh, look, you have a whole freaking book already (laughs) almost done Mm -hmm. um, just because of these ideas that you've been writing down for years. So I I love that. Yep. And as a, as a, you know, basically an acquisitions editor and the project manager of the game, like I never throw good pitches away. I've got, I've got pitches from writers for adventures like that I got years ago that I declined for one reason or another, but I've held on to them. I got a, I got a record of everything. And every now and then I go back into them and go, oh, you know, maybe it's time for this adventure. And uh, I'll reach out to them and say, you know, remember that thing I, I, I canceled on you a while back? Or, you know, <laughs> I canceled the, the thing I passed on. Maybe it's time to bring that back. But, uh, and then, you know, they've always got new stuff too. But yeah, ne- don't ever sleep on your ideas. Don't ever get rid of them. Mm-hmm. And if you're like me and you forget stuff really fast, write it down and in a place where it backs up in stores so that you can go back and look at it later. Um, Aaron, so uh, I want to tell you, because I don't tell you often enough, but I, I always want to apologize for all of your great content that I have to cut <laughs> because, because you are so verbose and it's such great information. Like, I mean, folks, if, if you are reading any of the Starship books, like any of the, any of the Star Trek books that have Starships in them, and you're reading the Starship entries, uh, Aaron does such a great job of putting so much detail into every Starship description. Like every sentence is almost a plot book or a story idea or something. And, and um, the, the, the cruel nature of the business is that when I take a document from Microsoft Word into the layout, into InDesign, by, by the nature of the beast, stuff has to get cut to, be, to, to, to trim to fit the layout or to fit the pagination or just to fit whatever parameters we've got to deal with. And, and so, you know, more often than not, I've got to really strategically cut lines, words, sections, bits and pieces out of, out of, uh, out of just stuff in general, like everybody's been cut. And it's just the nature of the of the of the RPG business, right? But Aaron, I, I don't know. I feel like sometimes your stuff gets cut more than not, often than not. And I feel so bad because everything I cut is like great stuff. It's like, oh, I want to keep that in because you're talking about, you know, the the this cool thing that could happen with the warp drive, or you're talking about this thing that could happen with the ship or whatever. And it's like, oh man, someday, I mean, I can't probably can't do it at this point, but I, I'd love to get all that stuff that we had to cut. And do like a special Aaron PDF or something. All the stuff we had to we, director's we, cut. You know, the, the lost best. novellas yeah, of this yeah. book here. But, I mean, it's all great stuff. It is so good. And uh, um, I tell you, I, I don't. Uh, I, there are times when the editing process takes me longer because um, because I get caught up reading your stuff 
It's like, oh, I'd like to run this campaign with this idea or this campaign <laughs> with this idea. And it's like, oh, that's a great idea for a ship. And then like my writing engine wants to get going. So uh, oh, but I, I apologize for wasting your time <laughs> or, or, or no, monopolizing no, no, no. it in that way. Never, <laughs> never waste of time. Never waste of time. And there's always continuing missions where you could uh, submit stuff, of course. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> We'd be All right, Jim, now I have a question for you. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, one of the, taking over. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, uh, we've been seeing a lot of great feedback on the layout and the design of the pages and the interiors of the book. Uh -huh. uh, and could you speak for a minute about where that idea came from and where the blues and the greens came from and all that? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, what, what, it must have been during the pandemic uh, when we were working on the Klingon book. Uh, we were, I mean, I guess, what was it? It was March when things got really dirty and ugly with the pandemic, right? And the whole world shut down, basically. And um, and, and and we went to kind of, a, I don't want to say a Tiger team because that so, sounds so horribly corporate. But but like we, we got we had to really narrow down the team that was working on the on the Klingon book. And of course, by that point, it was pretty much done. We were in layout for it. And uh, I was working on that Klingon book and I was having such a good experience working with the layout team on it because it was such a different layout than what we had done before, right? It was, it was that, that white background with a lot of the reds and the blacks. And because we, what we wanted to do is we wanted to get away from the Elkar's design. Obviously, for the Klingon book, we wanted to get away from the Elkar's design. And uh, from there, that, re that really kind of like sparked my brain to like, oh, we could get really more creative with the layouts that we've been doing for the books. You know, we, we started to develop a, uh, an enterprise layout. And then uh, we changed up the color palette for Shackleton to make it feel a little different. We, we changed the color palette for, this, for the Delta Quadrant book. And, uh, and I was like, okay, well, let's take it to the next level. Let's continue to evolve the game. And uh, by the time we did, um, actually it was Shackleton, I think. By the time we did Shackleton, I was like, okay, we really need to do some different layouts here. And I knew we had the player guide and the game master guide coming up that I really wanted to have them look different and more kind of like universal track because they weren't focused on one particular era or setting. And then I knew we had this, the Discovery book coming up after that. And I knew Discovery, I wanted to do a very different look and feel for that to have it fit the, the Discovery season one and two kind of um, you know design uh, aspect that we saw on screen. And then I started really thinking, because about that time we were talking about doing maybe doing the Starships book. And I was like, okay, if we're gonna do a Starships book, we really need to tap into an era we haven't really touched yet. And that would be the movie era. We need to find a way to bridge the original series to next gen. And so I, I, I talked to the graphics design folks and I said, okay, here's what I want to do. I want to do a new fresh layout for the Starship, like a layout design for the Starship's book. And I want it to be something in between original series and next gen, right? Some, something between there. It's got to be a white background, dark text on white background, because I, I personally, I, I love the Alcars design, but it's horrible for print. In my opinion, because <laughs> it's so it's hard. Very hard for like people my, with my, astigmatism. Yeah, my eyes, <laughs> it's actually my eyes really, are, really hard. Yeah, yeah, my eyes are getting old, and it's really hard to read on reading print. Like I love it on screen because it just looks like a you know next gen pad kind of thing. But uh, for readability, I really wanted something a little cleaner. And I was like, uh, so I went to Mihao at one of our one of our lead, or actually I think the lead graphic designer at Medithius, and I was like, okay, look, let's do something really movie era ish. And, uh, you know, I got lucky. I, I, found, I just happened to find a, a, a movie era sticker book on uh, eBay that had all, mm. the, uh, all the motion picture era graphics that were in, used in the movie and the book. And I was like, shoot, I'm going to take this thing and I'm going to scan it in. And then I sent all those scans over to Mihao and said, look, this is kind of the, the, the design idea. And we, we trawled um, 
the internet and like shockingly the internet doesn't have as many screenshots as you would think it should have because I, <laughs> I would think a 30 year old movie there'd be screenshots all over the place but like for the specific stuff we were looking for for like monitor designs and signage and that kind of stuff there's just not really a lot of shots of that and i was like shoot what are we going to do and so we just kept digging and uh, fortunately you know Mihao really knows what he's doing which is a, which is a you know a godsend um and he, he sent me some initial drafts and i was like wow this is like 90 percent there and he had the blues and the greens because he he used um we we focused really on star trek 5 and star trek 6 um because that's where the really sharp colors were coming out on the monitors and uh, we had the Mr. Scott's Guide to the Enterprise. We had a couple other references. And we had, we, I think it might have been, tr was it trekcord.com? Or there's a couple of websites that had just a ton of screenshots mm -hmm. uh, from all the movies, right? And we just, we, he and I would, went through those screenshots. And we were like, well, here's a, here's a Master Systems display in the background. Let's use that. And he found all these great monitor shots. And he was able to pull the blues and the greens out of there. And then just because this is what he does, right? Because he, he's a graphic artist and he has that, that design mind, he was able to pull all those colors and those graphics out and translate it into a layout that would, that would feel very Star Trek, feel very movie era, feel very Utopia Planitia E, um, <laughs> and, and made it work. And then we sent that off to Paramount for approval and they were like, yep, that's, that's perfect. You know, oh, not perfect. Nothing's perfect. Uh, but it was good enough, right. For what we, they wanted, we, what we wanted to do. Um, and then, uh, and then Lee, uh, we had, we've had Lee Woozy on a couple of times on the show and I'm sure we'll have him on again. He took that, that, that overall design look and feel and, and turned it into the, turned it into the book, right? There, you have to make certain tweaks to it once you've got the full manuscript in hand. And, uh, I'm sure we'll talk to Lee at more extent, but like he just added, he's such a Star Trek fan. He added so much more detail to it. Like all the little plant in graphics, all the little greebly bits, all the numbers, all, all, just all that stuff. Even the end papers, like uh, Lee was completely responsible for the end papers, uh, which I thought were great. And uh, again, that's a, another tribute to Thomas and his team at Stowe for providing so much of that artwork that we were able to actually put those end papers out with with the with the ships scaled to, I mean, kind of scaled to each other. Some of those scales are not, you know, canonical, of course, because for the most part, Paramount's not going to, you know, tell you exactly what they are because <laughs> the writer might decide something different. Um, but the fact that we were able to pull out that, all that together, cause I, you know, I told Lee at the very beginning of the, of the layout that, uh, I would love to have some sort of thing in the end papers that shows you relatively how big the ships are compared to each other. I didn't really know exactly what it looked like. I just thought like a ship comparison thing would be cool. Mm -hmm. And, and he, he was able to do it in the two end papers, which I thought was great. Cause I really wanted to get away from the maps in the end papers that we've been doing since the beginning of the, the line. Right. I'm, I, I don't know about the fans, but I'm sick of looking at maps. I wanted to see something different. <laughs> Is there any way we can yeah. get a PDF of those put together so that, you know, I think about those old, no, Marvel, universe co those old Marvel Universe covers where you could line them uh, all up, or even like yeah. the Command yeah. Division books, the yeah, Command yeah. Division books. Yeah. I would love if we could get that into one piece. Cool. I, I, I could ask Lee when he's not busy. He's got a million projects on his plate right now because he's he's so busy with uh, Medifia stuff, but I, I can certainly ask at some point. Maybe we can do that. I want that uh, as my screensaver, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, mm -hmm. a long story short, uh, it was uh, totally wanting to touch the my, the movie era that we haven't really gotten to yet. Because I know a lot of fans love the movie era and the monster mm -hmm. Marine uniforms, and and then just that that whole aesthetic that the uh, the twenty two eighties, twenty two nineties into the into the lost era, right? The quote unquote lost era that we still haven't seen much of yet. I really wanted to tap into that and take advantage of it because there's there's products that I would like to do themed around the, the movie era. And now we have the perfect opportunity because now we've got the layout. Now I can now, now I can use it for mission briefs and 
and other stuff. So uh, hopefully we'll see more of that in the future. But yeah, great, great question. I hope that answers it. I uh, appreciate it. <laughs> if okay. not, I got something else. So um, with all that, so thanks for all that great stuff. That's a ton of content. Uh, and I really appreciate it. I, I guess we want to go a little further. So April, you said you had some uh, some questions that you wanted to, to throw out there from the from the fans <laughs> that we have. Well, yeah. Um, uh, one person said that uh, when's the Klingon ship book? you gave us a klingon book now we want and you, get, you have the, the the starships books now we yeah. want a klingon ships book like yeah i think i think my answer to that would be twofold one we kind of already have a klingon book because we put so much content into the klingon mm -hmm. core book um I, and i think if you have the klingon core book and utopia planitia you could probably use the construction kit that's in utopia planitia because actually you know aaron and, and the team they actually wrote that construction kit to, to be not just Starfleet, right? It's, mm. it's, it's Federation, it's Starfleet. We, we reference the Romulans, the Klingons, the Andorians, et cetera. Uh, so I think you could probably use that, the, the space frame construction rules that we have in Utopia Planitia, you could probably use that for any polity. And uh, mm. you already have a leg up because the Klingon book has so many space frames in it already. Between the, actually, between the Klingon, the Klingon core book and the Discovery book, right? Because we added another bunch of Klingon space frames into that too. So it, it won't all be a one handy dandy place like uh, like Utopia Planitia, but I think all the contents out there that you need. And I think uh, you know the boring answer is that uh, you know financially and concept wise, there's no way a Klingon book would ever sell <laughs> comparatively to Utopia Planitia. So I, I couldn't possibly get that on this on the through the through the approvals process. I, I, and not from Paramount, but from Medifius. I, I just don't think there's enough of a market there to make a dedicated Klingon book, Starships book um work but good question um yeah you know uh you touched earlier um there was uh y'all were talking about a little bit of like gathering resources and stuff like that that like something like almost easter egg-ish that um is in the book but you didn't say was in the book um so uh, like leading off of that what are everyone's favorite like easter egg that is in the book because yeah, I know I know we put those in there. So I'm curious <laughs> what what's everyone's um, favorite little. Oh, did you know that's in there? Uh, if you don't mind us giving those little secrets away, <laughs> we do it okay? all the time. Who, you pick that's who okay. goes first. I think we all have them. Uh, well, well uh, first I'm going to preface it by saying um, I don't even catch all of them sometimes, right? I am confident that every one of you put in Easter eggs into this book that that I completely miss because I'm in the. I'm in the haze of editing. Like I'm just trying to get it done and like, Oh, that's a really cool reference, but I don't, I may not catch exactly where it's from. So I'm sure there's Easter eggs uh, throughout it, but I, I'll go uh, clockwise this time and just, we'll just get everybody's initial re reads on this. Uh, Aaron, what's your favorite Easter egg? I, I put, I put a lot in. <laughs> <I'll be honest. laughs> um, I, and most of them are, are fun, but I think my, I, I can't say my favorite, but I think it's the most important one is right in the beginning of the book and it's the the green box high in the sky transmission from dr juliet novak from new berlin base um the the story behind that is that i i met a girl in high school when i was going to a play at a different high school and her name was julie novak and um we met because we were both wearing star trek shirts and uh, I got to be good friends with her. Um, she graduated high, uh, her high school a year ahead of me and went to Michigan State University. And I decided I was going to go to Michigan State University. I told her, hey, um, I'm coming up. Can I, can I stay with you for a few days while I look for a job? And she's like, no problem. Um, so I go up, stay. 
I meet my future wife uh, going to a party with her and she comes to our wedding. She is great friends with both my wife and I. And um, she she died in a horse riding accident in 2004. She was thrown from a horse Mm. and broke her neck. And she loved Star Trek and she was a force of nature and we miss her every day. And I thought it would be amazing if I could actually put her in this book as a person that is crying out for peace and the stop of war on earth and that she somehow in Star Trek lived to go to the moon. So that that's my Easter egg. It wouldn't be known to anybody except unless I explained it like this. Yeah. Uh, but it's not funny. It's just important to me. That's deep. Mm-hmm. That's what Star Trek's about. It's immortal. That's so cool. Yeah, that's that's powerful, Aaron. Sorry for bringing it, that's bringing amazing. everything down a bit. No, no, no that's yeah, really that cool. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that with us. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Uh, John, not to put you on the spot <laughs> <laughs> to follow up from that, but I mean that's such a great story. But any any Easter eggs that you are, are particularly fond of? Uh, yeah. Um, there's a section in my chapter. Um where it's between a Federation ambassador and the Klingon magistrate. And they were talking about the USS Grissom when it was destroyed <laughs> and being able to, to show what Klingon political justice, like, you know, would have been like there then. Um, but um, and just so you know, I was cracking up out loud as I was reading that. I'm so glad that you wrote that, John. <laughs> yeah, no, um, it struck me as what the Klingons would do, where the Klingons would be like, yeah, our bad. We blew up your science vessel. <laughs> okay, we're gonna carry out the law, but we don't actually care. And, and I'm glad that came through. So nice. I was worried most people would, you know, because Star Trek Three's kind of got like that reputation, but I weirdly like it. So I love Star Trek Three. Who doesn't? Yeah, like it's solid. Yeah. All right, uh, Thomas. What's what's your uh, highlight for uh, Easter eggs in the book? Yeah. So um, the I think the main one is the USS Ross, um, which is you know uh, the Ross class uh, starship, which um, we designed for um, a Star Trek Adventures game. So, um, if pe- probably a lot of your viewers are also familiar with the Clear Skies actual play campaign by the Stream Punks, yep. and um, they approached me back in I guess it would have been 2019. They were starting a new Star Trek Adventures campaign, and they wanted a ship. For, for the game. And it sort of worked out that I also needed to design a new ship for Star Trek Online. And the needs sort of met up of the type of ship they wanted versus the type of ship that I had to do. Um, and so we kind of collaborated on what that was going to be and ended up with the Ross, which is like an advanced galaxy class um, derivative design um, inspired by the galaxy class, but you know, brought to the late 24th century technology. Um, and, uh, and, then, and then there was an opportunity to bring the Ross into Picard as one of, it was one of our most detailed ship models. So when uh, I was working with Dave Blast to actually canonize some SDO ships, I picked the Ross as one of them because it was perfect, the perfect time period for Picard. And it was, you know, one of our better looking models, um, fidelity wise. And so uh, we uh, shipped that off to them. And so it's just, it's, it's cool that the ship that was originally designed for a Star Trek Adventures campaign then became canon in Star Trek Picard and now is back officially in a Star Trek Adventures book. Wow. Um, so it's kind of gone full circle. That's pretty cool. Very awesome. I love it. I love it. Al, what's your, uh, what's your highlight? 
Uh, so uh, one of the things that I really like when we get to do this type of stuff is to just pour through like reference books. And I really like looking at the old role-playing games, the, the uh, last unicorn and, and the decipher books specifically. Um, and I got to have some fun with that uh, in the uh, downtime section uh, when talking, uh, creating the tables um, for types of games that can be played or for uh, types of martial arts that there are. Um, so uh, in the uh, in the martial arts random table, there are a couple of martial arts that are specifically from the last unicorn games. Um, the Among the Clans Andorian book hmm. um, and one from their um, their Romulan box set uh, that I wanted to put in there just kind of as a tip of the hat of those that came before us. Um, we also did a couple of those uh, in the talents as well that we found um, from uh, Decipher that um, we thought would work well in Star Trek Adventures as well. Um, so just, you know, a lot of people have brought Star Trek to the role playing uh, throughout history. And I think it's, it's good to give them a nod here and there um, when they create something cool. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Michael, uh, what's your favorite Easter egg that you dropped into the, uh, or, or that you saw? It doesn't have to be one that you wrote. It could just be whatever, whatever your favorite one is. I'll do, I'll do one I wrote. I'm a, I'm a diehard animated series fan. In fact, I dream that the style of the animated series would come back full force on like a, a, a you know, Nick at Night kind of cartoon thing. So uh, I don't know if anyone caught it, but there's an old episode called Mud's Passion where they have love crystals. And so in the resource <laughs> section, I put Nurse Chapel's, um, Lieutenant Chapel's after action report. Um, to Dr. Ahava Esme. And if I do, if I remember correctly, I looked up in Arabic, the, 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 the word love. And I think it's Arabic, both words, Ahava and Esme are forms of the word love. So I thought that would be kind of funny to put in there. But so she has to report to Starfleet Medical what happened and report about the love crystals. And if you remember the cartoon, she, she had fallen in love with Spock and that turned really badly at the ending. Really funny episode. And of right. course, mud so you know it's a great episode so i just put that in there i dug deep um and and thought i would use that um as an easter egg and then the other one was on um i, I just like grabbing the most obscure quotes i can find and i was able to actually reference star trek 5 where why does god need a ship and you know <laughs> they, they, uh, being able to quote god you know uh, was really cool as a quotation from Star Trek, like God has a quote. In Star Trek. <laughs> Those are two nice. things I really enjoy. That nice, right very on. nice. Mm -hmm. uh, and then for my part, just to, to, to close it out, would you know, closing the circle here as far as uh, Easter eggs. Um, there's a lot of Easter eggs that uh, that I drop in from time to time because you know, you know, just frankly, I mean, this is no surprise. I, I work on these books really late at night sometimes. Uh, I, I got a day job. I got a family. You know, usual array of excuses, just like everyone has. And, uh, and so, you know, sometimes I'll be up at like, you know, one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, going through the edits and just uh, cleaning up the manuscript, tidying it up, putting it, putting it into order and stuff. And uh, sometimes just something will strike me. It's like, oh, that's an appropriate place to put in a little Easter egg. Or uh, even working with Lee on the layout. I was like, you know, you've got this little graphic right here. If you just make this one little tweak, it turns into a into a Easter egg for uh, for the fifth element. And of course, <laughs> it probably went right over Lee's head. But I was like, ah, we're going to put it in there. So there's an Easter egg to the fifth element in there. Uh, and then, uh, you know, like what you were saying, Al, you know, uh, hearkening back to the to the shoulders of giants that we're standing on, all the folks that came before us in the RPG in the world, you know, FASA, Last Unicorn Games, Decipher, 
um, I, I, I got the, I got all the books on my shelf right here next to my workstation. And I'm always looking at those for inspiration and ideas just to remember where we were 30, 40 years ago and where we are now. And, uh, there was an opportunity again, partly based on the, the layout drafts that I was getting from Lee. I was like, well, you got this, you know, this ship here, why don't you tweak it and just change the name to this? And now we've got an immediate Easter egg to, uh, to FASA or to the last yes. Unicorn games or whatever. And so it's, it's a, it's a blended approach where I like, I'm taking his stuff that he's creating for inspiration and then just, you know, putting a tweak onto it and, and turning it into an Easter egg that hopefully the fans will find and love. Um, and then other than that, you know, sometimes I drop in stuff from my campaigns and from my life and I'm not going to tell anybody about them because they're, they're for me. Right. <laughs> okay. It's like, I'm sure you all do it too. Right. There's a lot of stuff in here. Like yeah, Aaron, you sh- shared that very, uh, you know, personal story. And if, you know, you hadn't told anybody, you know, nobody would know, but you know, and that's, what's important. Uh, so we're just bringing, hopefully it's clear that we're all bringing a lot of love and passion to the, to the project and to the line. And uh, so grateful that we're able to cross, cross over into a stow, into the stow universe now, because I can see how passionate they are. And uh, Thomas, when we have you back on to talk about chapter four and your ships, I really want to get into the weeds on the story about some of the ships that you wrote, because I, I've been seeing like conversations on social media that I wasn't expecting as like super fans are super excited about certain ships getting into the book. And I'm like, Oh, this is a, it's an interesting story here. You <laughs> yeah, know? I, I want to say too, there's a lot of questions coming in about ships that, that, so people who are watching this, if we don't get to the questions now about the specifics about the ships, we're okay. collecting them and we'll make sure to talk about them in that episode. Okay. Yeah. And, and Michael, I'll, I'll defer to you. Like uh, April, I'm sure you've got a couple more questions, but I think we've been at this for an hour now. Do we want to go a little further? Like I want to be respectful of everybody's time here. So if, if anyone needs to drop, by all means, we can we can you know close it up here. Um, or if April, if we've got a few more questions, let's field a couple more, and then uh, and then Michael, maybe save your bigger questions, and maybe we can divide them up chapter by chapter. I mean, we're we're gonna be talking about this book for a while. <laughs> it was a lot of work, and uh, I think we're the fans clearly are excited about it. So uh, I think we'll uh, we'll continue to you know offer uh, insights for it. Heck, we're excited for it. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> uh, one, <laughs> one thing I did want to say really quick, you guys were talking about uh, the the other, you know, the previous Star Trek RPGs. Um, I actually worked with Jesse Heinig, who was a designer at Decipher, mm-hmm. uh, Decipher Games and worked on the, the Star Trek uh, RPG there. And so it's cool that he's, you know, now he's working on Star Trek, uh, Star Trek Online, too. So that's mm-hmm. very cool. How Can I ask how big is the staff at Star Trek Online working on it? Um, it's about, um, depending on, you know, depending on who you count, because, you know, there, there's, um, you know, our marketing team, you know, then they're all kind of, um, on our publisher side, but you know, it, it's, uh, around 30 or 40 people. Wow. Very cool. So, uh, April, did you have any other uh, questions from the, uh, from the fan base? Um, I actually, it was, it was it just a little like bit of information and what your thoughts are, like all y'all's thoughts are. So, um, as you know, we, we, we have like the covers of the books, you know, we've got the three different covers, the two collector's editions. Um, some people are now wanting, they want, um, a bundle to where they can get all three, um, <laughs> covers and it's, it's, it's the same content on the inside, but the beautiful mm. outsides are different. Yeah. So they're like, can you, can we get a bundle with all three? <laughs> um, so. Uh, I did a poll and um, on Instagram, uh, the original cover, uh, not the collectors, uh, won by 40. uh, It was they had 45 percent of the vote. But on Twitter, which had 131 votes, so a lot of people were voting on there. um, The next generation cover won by 42. They had 42 percent of the vote. Mm. Um, 
so I'm just curious what y'all like think of the collector's edition covers and like what, 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 so why did we do uh, the TOS and the TNG like as the collector's edition covers? Like, I'm just curious, like how that process and thought and everything came to be. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Um, <laughs> I, I, think, I, I think we, we knew well, we didn't know. We don't know. It. Nobody knows nothing in the RPG business. <laughs> uh, but I think we we uh, we had a, a reasonable expectation that the Starships book would probably be popular, right? And and we wanted to do something special about it because we we knew we knew Starships like Starships are characters. They're a big deal. They're a big part of the franchise. Like like you were saying, or I, I apologize, I don't remember exactly who said it, but somebody on this panel a little while ago said that like pretty much every show is named after a, a ship, right? It's an Enterprise, Voyager, DS9, uh, Prodigy, or not Prodigy, but um, um, anyway. Uh, so the ship's super important. And we knew this would be a popular book if we got it right. And um, we wanted to do something special with the collector's editions. Uh, Medifius has been experimenting over the last couple of years with doing collector's editions for their, for their different lines, for their books, just to see, do, I mean, really, honestly, it's all testing to see, is there a market for this? Is there like we know there's markets for the games, but is there a market for like the the upscale stuff? Like, do you want do people want fancy covers on what's essentially the same interior? And I mean, clearly the answer is yes because all of our collectors' editions have been selling really well for Star Trek and for the other lines, right? Like Dune's got some amazing. Like I'm super jealous of the Dune collectors' covers because they're so amazing. And like, these I, I, are so amazing too, though. These look well, I'm really trying. Beautiful. I'm working on it. <laughs> but yeah, but, Dune, uh, Dune has some pretty covers. But these, when I saw yeah. these, I was like, "Oh, people are going to lose their mind." Yeah, that's the hope. Because I thought I thought the Klingon book came out really good. The collector's book with the, mm. with the red leather and the and the debossed symbol. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, what could we, this is just like this is just scratching the surface of what's possible. What could we really do with it?" Um, and then, uh, so we did the discovery book and the discovery collector's book came out amazing with the, with the gold foil and the silver foil. And I was like, and Stephanie Toro at Medivia, she designed that for us. And I went back to her, uh, you know, I made sure that she had room in her schedule to work on the utopia book. I was like, okay, we want to do, we want, we're coming back to you because we love your work. Um, but now, um, you know, having talked to the, to the management team and we wanted to, I, I convinced them to do two covers instead of just one. Cause I said, this is a perfect opportunity. We've been talking about doing A-B testing for a while now. Which one's more popular, original series or next gen? Um, uh, and, you know, which one? Because we've we had we've had a very vocal fan base who wants nothing but TOS stuff. They're, they're TOS fans to the core. And that's all they want. They won't even look at something if it doesn't look like TOS. And, of course, we gave them the tricorder, you know, the tricorder collector set, which was a big, big piece of that. But I was like, okay, if, if, we're gonna, if we've got the budget to do two covers, let's do original series, let's do next gen. Head to head, let's see what happens. <laughs> Just you know, we'll 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 publish a limited number of both of them because we've only got so much budget. And the reality is, that we're we're in a business. This isn't uh, this isn't the 24th century, right? Where we can <laughs> have a moneyless society. We have to we have to do it somehow. We have to pay for this stuff. Um, so I was like, okay. So so Stephanie got that you know that that notice that we we're going to do two covers. I wanted to, them to be kind of samey, you know, so that they're of a theme. And then uh, I just cut her loose and said, okay, come up with some cool designs. And hey, obviously I gave her some, uh, an art brief and some parameters and stuff. And uh, we went through a number of iterations with the art director, uh, Ariel and uh, Stephanie and I, and we came upon um, a couple options and uh, we just were refining. And, uh, and that's what we ended up with were the, with the, the, the blue one for next gen and the gray one for original series. And I think, I think they look spectacular. And, what the challenge is, though, is that we haven't seen them in 
physical version yet, but we only see the renders and what Stephanie put together in terms of the foiling and stuff. And like I, when I was picking out the materials, like for the leatherette and for the, the foiling, like I had pictures of the materials, right? So everything is kind of based off of a picture, but I do have, you know, the past history of the discovery book and the cleanup book in hand. So I kind of have a sense of what it's going to look like, but I really trusted the team. I trusted Pete in, in, in production and I trusted Stephanie that they know what they're doing and that the pictures they're showing me of the materials is going to look good when it all comes together. Um, but I'm just excited to see what they come up with because that, that blue, uh, that, that blue, like foil reflective foil that's on the, on the, uh, both of them, actually the, 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 the galaxy class and the, uh, um, uh, constitution class, I think is going to look pretty sweet in the, in the leather red, but we'll see. Uh, yeah. I want to stop talking because like, I want everybody else to react to them too. Cause I'm, I can just go on all day about the, the Flickers cover. So I'll stop. Yeah. I mean, we're going to go. I just it. April so far, it sounds like from your poll, it's about 50, 50 though. And people desiring the cover between both polls. It was, together. it was different. It was different. <laughs> that, uh, so, um, and I've noticed this with, you know, other polls that we do Instagram people are very, and I wanted to do one on Facebook too, but I couldn't, it wouldn't let me do it the way I wanted to do it. Um, but, Instagram and Twitter people. I don't know. I, the, the, it's always different. It's always um, hardly ever do I see polls line up. So I just thought it was very interesting to see like 46% over here yeah. um, for the original cover. And then the, the 42% over here, it, it was very different. So Th Thomas, can I ask about STO? <laughs> do, do they skew like the ships that people are picking? Do they skew like 50% TOS 50% TNG with the players. Is there any kind of data on that? Uh, we have data. So it's a little tricky because we have data on who, uh, well, well, first of all, you can get a ship with a certain stats, but that the ship with those stats might be able to use five or six different visual options on it. Right. So like you could have a constitution class that looks, um, like you know the one from the motion picture or one, it could look like the one from the original series um you can have the galaxy class uh that looks like you know from the tng ship or the, or you can make your galaxy class look like the ross or whatever so we know the the from the statistics point of view what types of chips people like um uh but we don't necessarily know which like visual variants are popular. Um, typically what we find though is, you know, if we make a Starfleet chips are the most popular by far, you know, people just, they, they never get enough uh, saucer in the cells. And that's really just what it boils down to. <laughs> um, and, um, and enterprises, anything that's canon is, is very popular. Anything that is canon and a hero ship is by far the most popular. Um, but I would say that like, you know, we just actually added the Stargazer from Star Trek Picard, um, and that has done really well. Um, but I would say the Stargazer has had a much better reception than the La Serena did, for example, because the Stargazer is a very more, much more traditional Star Trek ship. And that's really what people, that's the fantasy that they, they have. I love that. I love data. I love questions like that. <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> good, good. I'm glad you ran that poll, April. Keep running more. I, I think I think one more one more thing to point out, Michael, uh, is that th this book is. I think that somebody could know nothing about role playing, pick mm -hmm. up this book and enjoy every second of it. Right? Like it's it, like I know that we're marketing it as you know it's an RPG game, right, for Star Trek Adventures. But I think any Star Trek fan that saw like these hollow foil covers 
with the kind of technical manual throwback look to them could pick them up and say, oh, this is about ships, just like what I was reading, you know, 30 years ago. Um, so I think that it's a very clever design um, in both cases. Um, because yeah, my greasy fingered little five-year-old nephew saw me looking <laughs> at it and tried to touch it. I wouldn't let him, but. <laughs> can I can I say something about that really quick? Because I, I yeah. think it's an important point. It's something that I, um, that, you know, you don't get to do a lot anymore. Back in the, I feel like back, you know, not to get too nostalgic, but back growing up in like the 90s, kind of the heyday of Star Trek, when you had, you could go to a bookstore and you didn't know on that, like you didn't really have the internet. So you didn't know that there was like a new Star Trek technical manual coming out and you're just walking around at Borders or whatever the bookstore was that you went to. Like, holy crap, there's a new Star Trek book. Holy crap, it's a technical manual. Holy crap, there's all this like cool new information about, you know, the Enterprise that I had no idea existed, right? There's that like feeling of discovery of learning new things about the universe from an in-universe perspective that is really special to fans like who are really into that kind of thing. I remember that, I remember that feeling and how special it was to me every time I encountered and discovered something like that. And there's a lot of, there, there's a lot like that in this book of like nuggets of discovery that you're going to get from uh, that. You just haven't seen anywhere else because we made it for this book and that's what this book is about. And I think that's, that's really great. Wow. But, you know, Thomas, I, I can't believe I, I love the fact that you mentioned that because because, uh, you know, it, it's funny how you, you don't you don't know what's going to trigger memories. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but literally just you talking about that reminded me way back in the day. I mean, this must have been 90, 91, 92. I was working at Walden Books at the time. And um, this was back before the Internet. Right? I mean, we didn't we had CompuServe, I think. Right. It was, you know, mm -hmm. the only way we got news about science fiction and fantasy was through Starlog, really. Like Starlog Magazine, maybe Entertainment Weekly. I don't know if Entertainment Weekly had even come out, had started coming out yet. I'd have to go back and find out how long they've been around. But like uh, um, Starlog was it, right? That, that was your primary source for, or, or the uh, Star Trek uh, um, official fan club magazine, right? Um, but I was, I was in the stock room one day, just opening boxes, getting stuff out and getting ready to put on the shelf. And literally I opened up a box and there was like 20 copies of the Next Gen Technical Manual, the one that Okuda yeah. and Strumbuck yeah. wrote. And I was like, I, I just like, I stood there in shock. I was like, what is this? <laughs> Where did this come from? This is like, yeah. like, like heaven just dropped this box on me. I was like, right. and, and like did my, you get any work friend, done that day? No, no, because my, my two, two of my coworkers and I, we were actually playing a, a homebrew Star Trek RPG because we, oh, wow. we didn't, we didn't like the FASA system the way we wanted to run it. So we, we took the FASA system as kind of a base for our, for our game. And then we just made up our own rules around it. But we were actually playing a Star Trek RPG at the time. And then that technical manual came out and we were like, oh, oh, this is going to change mm -hmm. everything. Because mm -hmm. I think you know, Next Gen was on the air. Mm -hmm. I think it was in its third or fourth season. Yeah. DS9 hadn't even come out yet. Like we, we had yeah. heard rumblings about DS9. But boy, that book, when it came out, it was like, holy cow, this, this, that just changed our world completely. Um, and so thank you for sparking that memory. I really yeah, Jim, and I, Jim and I suspect the quality of these books. I will say this and then we're going to, you know, we're almost at this for an hour and a half now. Yeah. We're going to yeah. be talking about it. So, so we're going to get to a wrap up. But what I will say is Jim and myself have this dream. We've talked about it and we believe it that, that when writers of Star Trek are going at it now and looking for source material, that these books are good enough to be source material with their technicality. Um, and, and with the discovery book, we know actually one of the writers for, for, um, discovery helped do input on the discovery STA book too. So, so Thomas, between your talk about crossover and then 
you know, knowing that that you've seen the full now you've seen the full rotation now that you're part of the adventures too, Star Trek Adventures. Um, that that I tell people they really want to get to know the universe or even write about the universe. These are the books to go to right now um, for the most comprehensive details you can get. In this case, Utopia Planitia about the ships, right, Jim? Anything else? Absolutely. Absolutely. No, that, good for me. I just wanted to see, I, just, to, just to give everybody an opportunity, Aaron and John, any, any, uh, any reactions to the, uh, to the collector's covers? Any, any thoughts there? Uh, I, I loved them. I mean, they immediately made me think of the cover of the Star Trek Next Generation Technical Manual in, in, in a weird connective way. Um, I, I love them. What else can I say? <laughs> I uh I remember when we were because I've been around since the beginning of the line and I remember just the debate over like do we go with TOS or next generation and I'm like super curious to figure out like where the numbers are going to fall because like I'm more next gen and yeah it's just it, it's I love how Star Trek is so big now that you know it's it's just you the people who love original series, the people who love Next Generation, the people who identify strongly with one or two or more series. And for me, it's just really great to just see all that passion. Yeah, yeah absolutely. it's totally malleable now. Even the time, you know, the ships start, the timeline starts so far back and then goes for up to the 25th century now. So and we know hopefully we get into the 32nd century at some point too. Yeah. All right. So again, we could talk about this all night day, which is why we call this continuing conversations, but we'd like to go out with shout outs. You can shout out whatever you like, whatever inspires you. It could have been something even from the past or whatever. Um, today I'm going to shout out uh, games in Berkeley, which is, which is a shop here in the Bay area that I know carries this STA line. And we always love shouting out our bricks and brick and mortar um, um, stores because that's where you have those experiences like Thomas, where you walk by something and you see it and, and we get new fans that way. So that's great. Um, let's go around. Let's go to Aaron. Who do you want to do a shout out for? Oh, Schuler Books. Uh, they're a local bookstore here in Lansing and Grand Rapids. And uh, I absolutely adore them. Just, you know, having a local bookstore is always a fantastic thing. Um, Good. Al, what about you? Uh, I'm going to actually shout out. Um, all the writers who have worked on Star Trek uh, role-playing games in the past, thank you so much for the wealth of information that you've provided to help us make this uh, game as in-depth as we possibly can. Beautiful. Great shout-out. John, what about you? It's funny we mentioned those books, and the Andorian book was one of my favorites of the old Trek books. Um, um, I want to give a shout-out to uh, Game Preserve South, where it's my local gaming club, and whenever they like one of my books comes in, the manager always calls me to let me know, oh. which makes me just smile greatly. And um, I love that they're like, you know, I love that they carry the books and they really encourage a fun atmosphere. But it's awesome. about have a good time, right? I always say, you know, the world can be so depressing. This is our escapism where we get feel good moments playing RPG. Thomas, what about you? Who do you want to shout out? Uh, I will shout out another game store that's also in the Bay Area, Game Castle. They've got a lot of different uh, um, stores all over the place. I usually go to the Santa Clara one uh, near the okay. airport, but uh, but yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I'm Fremont. I go to the Fremont one. Oh, nice. In that area. Sweet. The great store, by the way. They, I like them because they, they're always willing to host games. And even if you're a comic writer or any kind of gamer, they're always willing to host your product. They're so nice. I, I love the staff over at Game Castle. <laughs> All right, April, you did a great job co-hosting with us today. Who do you want to shout out? <laughs> um, 
I know this is going to be like very like on the nose, obvious for me being the uh, community manager, but honestly, I would like to shout out um, uh, all of the people that stream our games and uh, not even just stream, just play our games and have a, a passion about this that support us and, you know, buy our products and stuff like that. Um, because I mean, just from talks like this, you can see that so much love and uh, and passion, you know, goes into these, these things. I mean, obviously you all really enjoy what you do and you really enjoy, um, Star Trek and it shines through to the products. And so I just, I, I'm really appreciative that the fans see that and they love this game so much that they are streaming it. Um, so yeah, any, any, every time somebody streams it, like I want to see it, I want to pop into your, I want to pop into your stream. I want to see you playing it because, uh, I I'm a gamer and Gaming is beautiful, especially when it's, um, you know, themed around something that you love, like Star Trek. So show me more of those. Tag us in your tag, tag Matifius on socials in your uh, in your live streams, because I want to see more of them. Great, great shout out. All right, Jim, you wrap it up for us. What's your shout out? Yeah, especially because you never know who's going to drop in on those on those Twitches and those streams. You never know who's watching. It could be one of us. <laughs> oh gosh, all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, there's so many people I can I, I want to shout out to, but I think um, I, we'll talk about this more in the in the future episodes. But like everybody, because this is specifically about Utopia Planitia and starships, like everybody from the very beginning, way back in '66, who were designing starships, coming up with the initial ideas for the starships, putting the designs together getting the Enterprise together, moving on up into the movies, into all the different series, like all those designers, all those craftspeople who created the physical models and then, you know, evolved into the, into the CGI models and stuff. That, that is such a wealth of inspiration for this, for the show. And for me personally, like I was, I was, a, I was a Starships nerd all my life. And, and like, I, I knew the names, like, you know, Andy Proberg, Rick Sternbach, Michael Kuda, and, and even the, the newer generation of, uh, of folks that I see on Twitter all the time. And uh, was able to reach out to some of them, right? Like, uh, you know, Mark Rademacher and uh, and Bill Krauss and uh, you know, even Thomas and and some other folks. And there's just so many. But like the the ships are at the heart of Star Trek. The ships and the stations are at the heart of Star Trek. And like you can put like you can put Kirk up. Of course, people recognize Kirk. But you put the Enterprise up, and they recognize it just as much, right? I mean, the star the starship you got to have it. It's all hand in hand. And so, like, literally everybody who was involved in creating starships or space stations or shuttlecraft or whatever to get on the screen in one format or another, thank you, because we we are grateful for all the work that you did. And I hope I hope we did you proud with this book, because uh, it's it's an it's, an, it's a tribute to all your hard work. And like all this stuff is a tribute to you. So thank you for all, all that. And I'll let you echo April, of course, to say that uh, uh, we have uh, the best fans that I can imagine. We, they are so passionate and so supportive and um they've been super generous with <laughs> their emails about the cor- the corrections to make and uh, um, I'm, I'm grateful that like initially i was like oh gosh you know as soon as we send out a new book they get they get i get the emails uh the typos all the typos they want to be a part and of the project they want to be part of it yes i understand that now they want to be part of it and they want to make it as good as they possibly can make it because we do too um so yeah thank you for the emails keep them coming all the time keep talking about the book um, go check out STO because now we have an opportunity to, to, to get you into STO and STO fans get into the STA because it's, uh, it's cool. It's a different way to create your own ship and your own game. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, try, try both and see which, see which one you like and, you know, try them both out anyway. Yeah, so, so you know, just 
as we go out and, and we warp out of here, basically yeah. we're looking here at the Starfleet Corps of Engineers when it comes to the Utopia Planitia Star Trek Adventures book. Perfect. So I think that's kind of cool. The engineers <laughs> were all in the house today. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it. Uh, as everyone knows, IDIC. And the uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Go go for it. It. <laughs> the long and prosper. Be safe. Well, we'll see you all next time. Bye bye.